Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Everybody, how you guys doing? You guys all right? Yeah. Yeah. How many guys are just had school start on Monday? Oh man! Yay! So exciting! So exciting! I want to pretend like this is working. I kind of speak loud, and I'm used to. We anyway. I I used to talk really loud sometimes, but I'll try to manage myself. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Romans chapter four. If uh, if you don't, you can use your phone. There's a thing called Google. Or there's also apps for that. Michaela, where's your phone? No, <laughs> she's my sister. That's why I did that. That's I'm messing around. Uh, we're we're gonna talk about a message called "Faith in in the Messy Middle" uh, tonight. So this this should be pretty fun. Okay. But yeah, you know, faith in the messy middle. So as you know, uh, this might actually be my last time speaking at this crux for a few months at least. Wow. For a little while, so you guys get the last words. <laughs> I'm playing for a few months. Well, honestly, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the, the schedule looks like because a lot of stuff's happening and traveling more and things like that. So I'm going to be going to Arizona, and then I'm going to Washington, and then I'm going to San Francisco. Does anyone know what Half Moon Bay is? Do you guys anyone know where that is? Okay, so that yeah, there's a couple churches that I'm going to up there, and. And all over the place, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, this is it's it's exciting. But man, let's. I want to pray again, and and I just want us to just focus in on the Lord, and as as we talk about faith in the messy middle, Lord, I, I just thank you for this night, Lord. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you're right here in our midst. So we we welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit to come and just speak to us. And Lord, we thank you that your word is life. And so as we, as we dive into your worm, 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 that was so weird, your worm. <laughs> oh, it's going to get weird tonight. Lord, thank you so much. Your word. Lord, let your word. Oh, I'm, oh I got to recover now. Jesus, help me. Oh, Lord, thank you for your spirit, Lord. We welcome you. (laughs) Amen. All right, I'm done. Amen. Okay, there we go. We're just going to go to the Bible or else it's going to get really weird and and I might freak everybody out. I'm going to try to be on a good behavior tonight. But I want to look at verse 18. And I'm reading out of the NIV Bible because I am NIV positive. Hallelujah. So we're going to look at the NIV Romans 4 verse 18. And you can, you can look at that, you have your own translation, but this is what it says. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it was said about him, so shall your offspring be. Everyone say amen. Amen. I'll say it again. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, uh, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. So tonight we're talking about faith and the messy middle. And so there's a guy, I don't know if you guys have heard of this guy named Michael Hyatt, but he's like a, 
He's a Christian dude, but he does a lot of like business uh, consultation. He helps people get their productivity up and different things like this. And so when he's talking about this, this is what he says in reference to the messy middle. He says that you have, a, this is like a quote from one of his books. It says, you have a big goal. You're excited just thinking about it and what it will be like to achieve it and enjoy the rewards. Then you get to the messy middle. It's that spot where everything is harder than you expected it to be. The hill is steeper. The road is longer and you are not sure you have what it takes to finish. Has anyone ever been to the messy middle before? Yeah, it's crazy. Because the beginning is awesome, the end is awesome, but it's that middle part that's just kind of nasty. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're excited in the beginning because you got this crazy vision. Some of us, it's new. We got a new semester going. Some of us just moved here, and we're like, yes, this is new territory. This is the transition that I've been wanting. I don't have to live at home anymore. I get to live in the dorms. Or I get to live with friends. I get to do fun things and not have mom or dad telling me what to do all the time, etc. Or we're, we're transitioning from high school into uh, college or we're transitioning out of just, <laughs> uh, I don't know, for lack of better words, uh, just nothing into college, you know, because we took that break in between, <laughs> praise God. But there's all of that happening and then the exciting thing happens, new beginnings come, we're like, this is new! And then what happens is, and some of us will experience this maybe in a few months, but sometimes the initial excitement is exciting. Some of us have got a a word from God about a dream. We have a word from God about what we're going to be doing with our lives. We're like, this is amazing. Like I've been called out by people and prophets. They call me out. They tell me things. And I'm like weeping because I'm like, oh, I get to do awesome things. And so I'm like, yeah. And then like a month goes by, two months goes by, six months goes by, a year, seven years goes by. And I'm in that thing called the messy middle. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about, this messy middle, where exciting things happen in the beginning, and then you have to go through this messy middle thing. And then like, then you finally get to the point where like, oh, I'm in the promised land. And you're like, that's exciting too. It was just that middle part, you know what I mean? And I just have a hunch that most people in the room are in the middle part. Anyone, anyone agree with me on this? Like, I feel like there's a bunch of people that are in the middle part. The beginning is awesome. The end is awesome. No one likes the middle part. Because the middle part is what takes so stinking long. It's the, it's the part that everyone gets discouraged in. It's the part that what Michael Hyatt was just saying that we're like, we, we didn't realize it was harder than like this hard. You know what I mean? Like we thought it was going to be long. Oh, there's going to be some challenges, you know, I'll make it through. Hallelujah. And you're like, you got your friends they are helping you out. And then all of a sudden you hit the wall and you're like, oh, Jesus, please help me right now. I feel like I'm in a bottomless pit right now. <laughs> or you're just like, I don't even know. You feel alone. You feel frustrated. You don't even feel like you have the strength to keep moving forward. But all, but there's, there's the, the problem is, is that that excitement from the beginning is still haunting you. So there's like this word. There's this vision. There's this dream. And you're in the middle and you want to quit, but you can't forget what happened there. The problem with, with the, the excitement of those moments is you can't unknow them. You know what I'm saying? You can't not unknow the, the, the dreams that God put in your heart. You you can't unknow the prophetic things that God's talked to you about. You can't unknow them. They're just there and they sit there. So if you quit, you feel like you've given up, which almost feels worse than actually like just pushing forward through the drama. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Are you with me? You could just say amen whenever you feel comfortable, but I'm just, it helps me let me know where you're at tonight. And so we get into this messy middle and we're like, oh God, 
oh, and you want to quit, but then you're like, I can't quit because I can't live with regret, and I don't want to live with regret, but man, it feels better to quit almost, but then I want to push forward, but it's like, it's like I'm in the middle of this nasty mess. There's like a big boulder here, and then there's just shame that way. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, if I go backwards, there's shame, and if I go forward, there's a big boulder. Yay! Praise God! No one wants to push the boulder, and no one wants to live in shame for the rest of their life. So then we get stuck right there. Anyone ever been stuck like that, you know? And you're like, should I change my major, like, the seventh time? <laughs> or... Should I, let's just go to another school and start fresh, you know, like, let's just do a brand new start, let's do a, can, is there a reset button on life, can I get that, you know, what I love, sometimes I get, I work on computers so much, and I'm so used to edit, undo, control Z, praise God, oh no, that's, that's close the program, never mind, that was it. is that right, no, control Apple is the, or whatever, control, can I, and I, and so honestly, sometimes in life, I feel like because I do it so much on the computer that I feel like I can just hit the button and and like I can go back in time like five minutes, you know, and it's just not reality. Like you just have to keep moving forward. And this sometimes is the hardest thing to do is to move forward when it looks like there's a big boulder in front of you. And and this is what Abraham dealt with. And so Abraham, this is, remember, this is Romans 4.18. We're looking at one verse tonight, and it has enough to sustain you for like the next year, I'm telling you. This is what it says. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it was said to him, so shall your offspring breed. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Just as it was said to him? That means he had a word from God. Does anyone have a, a word from God that he's spoken to your heart, or something that he's put, like a dream, a word? And so Abraham had... Had God speak to him directly. I'm not going to turn there. I'm going to quote a lot of scriptures. Just trust me that I know the Bible and that I'm not misquoting it to you. And if I do misquote it to you, just blame it on Joel. You know what I'm saying? All right. I'm just kidding. I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> you can blame it on Pastor Taylor. When he... Okay. All right. Genesis 12 and the first few verses. The Bible says that the Lord had spoke to Abraham and God had called him out and God gave him a promise. He said, listen, Abe, I want you to, <laughs> I want you to leave, get up out of the country that you're in, leave your father's house and go to a place I'm going to show you. Now that's already crazy right there because he didn't say you're going to go from point A to point B. He said, you're going to leave point A and then I'm going to tell you where point B is. Just keep moving. Now that's kind of crazy because it's like, you want me to move where? What direction? North, south, east, or west? I don't care. Just go pick one. <laughs> and you're like, what, what kind of administrative detail is that, man? Like, like who hired you to be my secretary? You know what I mean? And, and so he just says, go. And then he gives him this promise. He said, I'm going to bless you. And not only will I bless you, but you are going to become a blessing. Now that's awesome when you're not just blessed, but you are a blessing everywhere you go. That's amazing. That means like everywhere you go, people's lives get better everywhere you go people's finances increase everywhere you go people get hugs and love and all i mean it's awesome and so god said to abraham i'm going to bless you you're going to be a blessing and you're going to be a father of many nations and he says all the nations on the earth are going to be blessed through you i mean that's that's a big deal right there that's not like a little word like hey god's going to use you and he's going to love you amen you know (laughs) like like that you know and sometimes i've heard people get kind of 
I would say, cynical about when God gives big words. Because we've been, I've been in this, if, if you're new to this culture, a lot of the times we'll, we'll have people come through, and, and maybe, maybe there'll be words given tonight, but people will come through and even just hear, we'll, we'll share words with each other, and we'll, put, we'll be like sharing, like, I feel like God wants you to know this, and He's going to do this with you and this with you. And I've heard people actually get cynical because the words are so big and so grandiose that sometimes it's like, okay, yeah, sure, you know, like that's a little bit bigger than I could ever even dream myself. But the reality is God doesn't know anything different than that. Like he's a big God. And so he gives big words. Like, he's amazing, so he's going to bless you amazingly. He's not going to be like, hey, God, can you imagine someone comes up to you and they're like, I feel like God's going to bless you financially. You know what I see? I see five dot zero zero. That's what I see coming to you right now. Five dollars coming to you in the mail. And you're like, all right. I didn't need God to tell me that one. You know what I'm saying? I could walk down the street and find a five dollar bill. You know what I mean? But if he says, I see five comma zero 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 comma zero zero, then you're like, hallelujah. You know what I mean? Now we're using money as an example, but I'm just trying to use that to get you thinking that God, God gives big words because he has awesome destinies for his people. That's just the way God is. And we can get cynical against the big words that God gives. But the reality is we have to actually check our own hearts that if God's giving us big words and we don't believe it, guess who probably has the issue? Ah! That's probably because our faith is a little small at the moment and we just need to expand our ability to accept that God actually likes us that much to use us that much. That's amazing, huh? God, and so Abraham came out of, I know history, and Abraham actually came out of an idolatrous family. He came out of a sketchy background. I'm, ta- let, let, I'm gonna break it down. Like, we could say idolatrous, you know, like, what the heck does that mean? He came out of a sketchy background. You know what I'm saying? Like, his dad was worshiping idols. In other words, his dad was all jacked up doing a bunch of sinful things. And this was his culture that he came out of. Can you imagine God coming to the, the most sketchiest, darkest place in, in the planet and saying, oh, I like you. Can I choose you? to do the biggest thing that I have yet done on the earth so far. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. Wow. So, by the way, as a side note, if you think your background is too jacked up for God to qualify you to do something amazing, praise God, you're in good company with the dude named Abraham. Father Abraham, oh, you know, right. I was like, had many sons, had Father Abraham. Yeah, whatever, all right, I don't even know. Whatever, all right. So he picks Abraham and he gives him this huge blessing and he has a word from God. Now this story is from Genesis 12. Like, I mean, I'm telling you, it's, it's like a dozen chapters in, okay? So bear with me because I'm summarizing a lot of the Bible in just a few minutes. Basically, Abraham goes on this journey. He's 75 years old when God calls him. That's, that's, that's kind of old, you know what I'm saying? That's at least three times as old as most of us in the room, praise the Lord. <laughs> so again, if you feel like you've missed it, you're not 75 yet, you're not even three times, you know what I'm saying? You're not even a third of 75 yet. So awesome, because that's, that's good. Like, some of us, I'm telling you, I've been doing a young adult ministry for a long time. Some of us are like, I am 19 years old, and I have not found my man yet. I am going to be an old maid. I am going to die an old maid. And you're like, dude, you were 19. There's still a teen at the end of your number you know like (laughs) you're gonna be okay you're gonna be fine be like i i am 20 years old and i do not know what my career is you're like it's okay you know what i mean like that's okay some people don't know until they're 40 so praise the lord you're like you're doing good you're doing fine abraham was 75 (laughs) he lived 75 years in sketchville in idolatry and still didn't have a calling from the lord yet can you imagine that 
Like we're like we're like somewhere around eighteen to twenty something, and he's in seventy five something. You know what I'm saying? He's in that he's in that senior bracket. You know what I mean? Like he's already past getting discounts at McDonald's. You know what I mean? Like they don't, he doesn't even go to McDonald's anymore because it's just like he can't even get there. You know what I'm saying? He's like, oh, you know, it's just too much. And God decides to choose him at 75 years old. Now, summarizing, 25 years goes by. And he's 100 years old when he finally has the son that God had promised that he would have. But 25 years. 25 years. There's crazy stuff going on in 25 years. That's some of us, again, that's more than some of us in the room have been alive. Praise the Lord. His whole entire faith journey that we celebrate in Romans chapter 4 was a 25-year period. 25-year period. Now, I've been serving the Lord since 2001, so I don't know. That's 16 years I've been serving the Lord. I'm not even, I'm not even at the 20s yet. You know what I'm saying? I've been serving the Lord for 16 years, and there's still dreams in my heart that I want to accomplish. I, and, and you know what? This is the deal, too. In life, it's not just one messy middle that you go through. There's a lot of transitions. You're in seasons. You come in something, and then you get out of something. You, then you go in something, you get out of something. So this messy middle thing isn't just going to happen one time in your life. It's going to happen repeatedly over the course of however long you live. I'm believing for 120. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know what I mean? 120 years. I can still see good. I can still walk good, and I can still pray in tongues. Okay. So, bam. They're going... I just need a third one. 25 years he's in this journey and and he the bible tells us that abraham against all hope abraham in hope believed now out of 25 years the bible says that god spoke to him at least six times in that 25 years including the first time in genesis 12 now can you imagine this 25 years you have a promise from god and you only hear from him if you do the math it's basically like every four years god's talking to you Every four years. That's like, that could be like, you know, every four years of college. All right. You know, that's like, you get like, God talks to you in the beginning of every four years that you take college, you know, <laughs> like, not like there should be like 17 every four years is, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's, yeah, whatever. Okay. okay. Depending on what you're doing. But I'm saying every four years on average, 25 years, God's talking to you six times on average. That's four times or every four years, God's telling you something. Now that means you're living off of one word from God for four years. That's rough, man. I'm like, I'm like, forget 25 minutes. Give me, I mean, 25 years. Give me just 25 minutes. Give me, give me another fresh word, Lord. You know what I mean? Like, remind me again what you said to me. Like, instead of four years, give me four minutes. You know what I mean? Like, maybe four weeks. You know, that's fine. You know, it's like, but because some of us, we get impatient in the process. We're like the, the exciting, exciting beginning part. Then we get in the messy middle and we're like, ah, oh, Lord, are you sure? And then we'll start doubting. Did I even hear God? Did I, is that dream that I've been pursuing, is that even what God told me to do? Because every door that I knock on, like it seems like nothing's opening for me. Every time that I'm trying to, to pursue this promise, pursue this dream, it feels like nothing is actually happening. Anyone, anyone with me on, the, on these moments here? And the, this is Abraham. Every four years, God's like, hey, Abraham, remember what I said? I'm going to bless you. Oh, thank you, Lord. His faith probably skyrocketed for like four weeks. And then, and then like four years passed by again. He's like, oh, I'm about to quit. And then the Lord would appear to him again. And this happened six times over the, over the course of 25 years. Talk about a crazy, messy middle. Like, I, I don't even understand how that can happen. But the Bible actually teaches us what was going on in Abraham's heart. So watch this. Uh, we looked at verse uh, 18. This is what it says in verse 19. It says, without weakening in his faith, 
He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. All right, it's going to get more encouraging, I promise. He said, since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet, verse 20, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Verse 21, why? Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Who had the power? God had the power to do it. Who promised? God God promised. So that means this. It wasn't Abraham saying that I have the power to do something that God promised. It wasn't saying that Abraham, I have the power to do what I promised. No, no, no. He said, God has the power to do what he promised. Wait, does it have anything to do with us? No, No, it's just trusting that God, what he says, he's going to (laughs) do. And and he's faithful to complete what he began. Isn't that so much better than putting all of it on your shoulders to depend on? I mean, this is what I think is so wild is that Abraham is called the father of our faith. And so, so he is exalted in scripture as the friend of God and the father of our faith. He is the example of faith. But I know from knowing the, the, book, the book, reading Genesis, that those 25 years, he wasn't like, you know, he wasn't the most righteous dude. You know what I'm saying? Like the dude lied at least twice about his wife in those 25 years. And he also had a moment where, you know, they were kind of like, man, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. We need it. We need it. Like you're getting, he's took, he looks at his wife, honey, you're getting old. I'm getting old. I, I mean, not to be crude, but I, I'm not sure if our bodies are working properly to, to be a father to many nations, you know, like, and he's like, yeah, you look in the mirror. Okay. Yeah, I know it's, it's, it's weird. I don't understand. And I love this because it shows the reality of Abraham. And this is what happened. So, so Sarah decides his wife, Sarah says, I I think we can help God out. (laughs) God might be having some problems fulfilling his word to us. So let's try to help him out. <laughs> Anyone ever try to help God out to do what He said? He has the power to do what He promised, but somehow we think we need to help Him do what He promised because He has the power. Yeah, whatever. Because maybe He doesn't have all the power. Maybe He has 99% of the power, and I got 1% of the power to do what He promised. So, so His wife says, You know what? We have, we have this servant lady here named Hagar. Why don't you sleep with her so that way y'all can make babies and then we can help God fulfill the promise? <laughs> Now, side note, for married people or in your future life, if your spouse tells you to sleep with somebody else to fulfill the promise of God, I'm going to just, just go with a, a huge no on that. You know what I mean? Just stamp, just stamp that one no. You know what I'm saying? Just reject it here. Take that paper back. I'm not accepting that contract. You know what I mean? Like, it ain't going to work. And, and so, he, so what does Abraham do? The Bible says that Abraham heeded the voice of his wife. And you're like, no, why? Why are you going to do that? You know, like, why are you going to listen? You, you, it's like, Linda, listen. Listen to the word of the Lord. And, and he didn't listen. And so he sleeps. Uh, he Basically, I mean, in a, in a weird way, he commits adultery with his, with his slave girl that was working for them. And they have a child, and the child's name was Ishmael. And, and the, the crazy part... Is that, you know, God still blessed the kid. And, and actually, if you look at history, that's actually where the Islamic religion comes from, is Ishmael. That's, that's actually where it's rooted. That's why uh, the top three religions in the world, Christianity, Ju- Judaism, and, and Islam, they're all, they all find their father in Abraham. Did you know that? Yeah. that this actually where Islam comes from is because Abraham decided to help God uh, fulfill his promise. And his mistake became a religion that's contrary to the things of God. 
Is that crazy or what? And so this is, this is where it all comes from. And, and what I think is wild is God still blessed him. He said, listen, Abraham, your son Ishmael, he's still going to be blessed. I'm going to make him a great nation. And, and that's, why that's why they're huge. That's why they're so huge today God blessed, because God blessed Ishmael on behalf of Abraham. Side note. Is that wild? That's a little wild to me. God still blessed him. God still blessed him anyway. And you know what God did? He didn't be like, what? You're supposed to be the father of the faith, man. You jacked it all up. Sleeping with a servant, lying, 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 cheating, stealing, you know, like he could have got crazy on him and God didn't get crazy on him. You know what scripture does? Scripture, if you read the New Testament, everything about Abraham, it's all positive and it's always like this guy's a man of faith. Hallelujah. You're like, what the heck are you talking about? A man of faith. And I love that because in God's perspective, Abraham is a man of faith. Abraham is a friend of God. Abraham is an example for us to follow. Now, obviously, not to follow the, <laughs> those jacked up things. Obviously. But I need to say that just for clarification, just if anyone wants to post something on Facebook, you know what I'm saying? And say like, hey, you know what they're teaching at the Crocs? You know, you know, right, yeah. <laughs> you got to watch out with Facebook nowadays, dude. People get crazy posting stuff up there. I was in the Philippines for two weeks. I didn't know what happened. Uh, I think, what, what was the one with the... With the with a guy driving the car and they hit the protester. What city was that in? Charlottesville. I didn't know what was happening. All I, you want to know how I found out what was happening? Because everyone was posting hater, haterade comments all up on their Instagram and Facebook. That's how I knew what was happening. I'm like, what the heck happened? <laughs> everyone's like, everyone's attacking Trump. Everyone's attacking this. And they're like, I don't know. And so I'm like, what happened? I had to look it up on the news. We're like, oh, snap. You know. So by the way, that's how you know if something's happening in the world. Because all you have to do is go to Facebook. Not news. No, no. Just go to Facebook. All the haterades. All the people drinking haterade will be posted up all day long about it. I wanted to post some stuff because people are criticizing Joel Osteen right now because apparently his church didn't help out with the people with the floodings and all that stuff in Houston. And, and, and people, I'm telling you, it's so crazy. And it's Christian people, not the world people. Only Christian people shoot their own kind. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they're like, they're like Joel, Joel Houston, they actually did help out. But they were so mad that, that apparently he didn't do anything. And so some people are posting like, man, I'm just grateful that, that Joel's helping out, da-da-da. And, and he's done a lot more help than most people are, have. The people who are criticizing Joel Osteen, uh, he's actually probably done way more help to the world than the people who are criticizing him. That people post that. And then someone posts like, uh, actually, he's a heretic and he's ruining people's lives. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Like, why? Why can't we all just get along, you know? I'm like, is that really helping anybody? Like, I don't know if that's really helping anybody. Okay, side note. That's a little, that's my little rant about all that stuff. All right. <laughs> Abraham didn't post anything on Facebook, that's but right. he did have the messy middle. And he was going through this time, but God, in the midst of him, for me, I would think he was wavering in his faith because he's trying to help God out. He's lying. He's trying to cover himself up, all this stuff. But for some reason, in God's eyes, all of those mistakes washed clean with the blood of Jesus and God just sees him as a father of our faith and as an example of what we can follow in. Is that wild? Like that should make us feel a little more qualified about believing God. Amen. That should make us feel a little more qualified that, wait a second, it's not about your performance. It's about your trust. Yeah, that's good. You with me on this? Like, it's not about how well you perform. It's not about how perfect you can be. It's about how much are you going to trust God even in the midst of your imperfections. Because your behavior will follow suit with what you believe. 
Most of us are trying to fix our behavior, but it's not a behavior problem, it's a belief problem. Oh, man! That's why. And this is the deal. I said this on Sunday, I want to say it again, because I want you to know how the spirit world works. The spirit world works like this. That, that, and I'm going to say it on the dark side. Demons will give you their thoughts. So that way you start believing and thinking like them. And if you start agreeing with their thoughts, then you start acting like them. So, so if, I, if someone starts saying, if I hear a voice in my head, and it's not my thoughts, but this is how they work. Demons will give you their thoughts, and they'll also speak to you in the first person, so you think it's coming from your own brain. And, 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 and for example, if, if someone, say, say for example, uh, uh, a guy's in a room, and, and there's a, a pretty girl that he sees. And, and in his mind, he's thinking like, hey... And, and say, say, say the guy's already has a girlfriend, and, 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 and thoughts start coming in his mind. Hey, that girl's pretty good looking. You should probably go over there and start talking. You should probably get that number. <laughs> or, first person, man, I really, I'm really drawn to this girl. She is. Wow. Guess what? If you start agreeing with those stuff, even though you already have a, a girlfriend or whatever, even though you already have all that, guess what you start doing? You start acting like the devil right there in that moment. Because what's the devil's mission? Steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. You with me on this? That's how demons talk to you. you. I mean, I'm not trying to make you feel freaked out that demons are trying to put your, their thoughts in your head. I'm just letting you know you all deal with this in some fashion or form. Whether it's uh, anger or retaliation. Sometimes if, if, if someone does this wrong, there's thoughts that come in our head. And I'm not saying all the time it's demons, but I'm saying sometimes it is. Sometimes it's, yeah. if someone does you wrong and you're like, you know what? I remember that Carrie Underwood song. Take a Louisville slugger to both headlights. <laughs> Whatever it is. And you want to get crazy on somebody. You know what I mean? And, and the deal is, if you start agreeing with those thoughts, guess what? You just agreed with the enemy, and, now you, and it's no wonder that you're acting like him when you act out on those beliefs. Wow. Your behavior is, is super, super linked to your beliefs and your thoughts. And so, what's on the flip side? That's why we need to know the Word. That's why we need to study the Bible. But th- not only that... Like, we, we got to know that the Lord is so good, and, he, and He's so gracious, He's so kind. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, and patience, and joy, and kindness, all these types of things. Did you know, it's like, I mean, if, for lack of better terms, it's, it's like we have the one picture with the angel sitting on one shoulder, <laughs> and the demon sitting on the other shoulder. You've seen those things, you know? And it's like, what voice are you going to choose to listen to? Because you always empower the one that you listen to. Amen. How did I get on that tangent? I, I'm not really sure. Well, praise God it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And so Abraham, we're, we're going to jump back to Abraham. Maybe I'll, it, it, by the way, this is how prophetic preaching happens. If I don't finish a story or a thought, your prophetic homework is to ask God what I was going to say if I were to say it, okay? So that, that's, that's your relationship with the Lord right there. Okay. But without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He did not waver. He was fully persuaded that God had power to do what God had promised. God has the power. And he was fully persuaded of that even in the midst of his mistakes, of the things that we see as what would disqualify him. And actually, break it down, bring it home, the things that we think disqualify us from getting the promise that God has given us or getting the dream that God's put in our hearts. You with me on this? So here's the deal. Here's a nugget for you. Just because you're going through the messy middle does not mean you've been disqualified for the promise. Like the messy middle, the challenge, the frustration, the trial is not... 
it is not a sign that you've lost it. In fact, it could actually be a confirmation that you're pushing through the hardest part of the journey. Because wow. wow. sometimes we're looking at it like, man, have I done something wrong? Am I in sin? Is God mad at me? Is God angry? I don't know why, but for some reason, that's like some of the first things we go to when it gets hard. We, go, we start looking introspective, navel-gazing, like, what did I do wrong? I am horrible. I messed up. God don't love me anymore. His promise is expired. And I don't know why we run to that first. When the gospel is that Jesus will forgive your sins and give you a brand new start every time. And it's, that's why we need the Holy Spirit to whisper in our ear and say, hey, God loves you. God forgives you. If you confess your sins, God's faithful and just to forgive you, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, give you a brand new start. We've got to have the Holy Spirit whispering in our ear. And so, so the, the Bible is telling us all this stuff about Abraham, but he did not waver. He was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Are you with me tonight? Yes. Some of us are in this messy middle, and I just want you to know that it's, that it's, it's actually normal. Oh, we can take a deep breath on that one. You mean like everybody else goes through it too? Yes. You mean like everybody else wants to quit? Like at one point in their life? Uh, okay, not one point. Like 700 points at their life? Like every, other people want to quit too? I mean, if, you, if everyone was really honest, like there's probably more times that you can count on your hand that you've wanted to quit. Whether it's wanting to quit pursue your dream, wanting to quit following Jesus, wanting to quit going to church, wanting to quit giving up, you want to quit, uh, quit, give up on relationships. But you know what? The only thing that secures your failure is if you quit. Wow. That's the only thing. The only thing, the only thing that will secure you failing is if you quit. That's the only thing. You have no other option. I can't give up on Jesus. I'm in too deep. I'm in way too deep on I can't, I'm like, I'm in way too deep with Jesus to quit. Like, I've already given up way too much to give up on Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And not only that, forget what I've given up. He already gave up way too much for me. He gave up way too much for me to quit on Jesus. And He's never done anything wrong to me. I mean, He's done a lot of things wrong to the devil, but that's good with me. Yeah! <laughs> Like, I'm in too deep to quit on Jesus. I'm in too deep to, to surrender my life to an idol who has eyes but can't see, ears but can't hear. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, can't, I can't give my life. It's too deep. I'm in too deep with Him. Like, I can't give up on, on, on a... Like, Rochelle and I are going to be married for eight years in like two weeks. It'll be our eight-year anniversary. That's awesome. We have one kid. We got another kid on the way. Like, it's awesome. Like, that would be really stupid to give up that far into it. Because if we have an, uh, a messy middle moment, <laughs> we don't call them arguments, we call them heated times of fellowship, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Pastors don't have those things, you know? we don't have arguments, we just, we just have intense fellowship times, alright. It'd be stupid for me to give up on that. It would be dumb for you to give up on the relationships that have invested in you and you've invested in them just because they said something wrong about you, you know what I mean? Like... It'd be better for you to try to reconcile the best that you can. It, you, you with me on this? It'd be dumb to, to give up on your destiny when you're X amount of years already into it. You know what I mean? Now, I'm not saying you can't change majors. I'm not cha- saying that you can't 
you know, change directions, etc. You got to follow the leading of the Lord, get wisdom from leaders, get wisdom from peers and people you trust. But I'm just trying to let you know, there's things that are non-negotiable on quitting. And Abraham, he was so far into this journey that I, I bet you 15 years in, he wanted to quit. And he still had 10 years to go and he didn't even know it was 10 years. It could have been 30 more years for all he knew. You know what I love about that? Is he wasn't thinking like, oh, 10 more years up. Oh, and then, and then 20 years into it. Oh, five more years to go. Oh, 29, you know, or whatever, or 24 years into it. Oh, wow, one more year. He didn't know. The only time actually he did know was one year before. That's all he knew. One year before the Lord came to him and said, hey, actually, a year from now, this, by this time next year, your wife will have a child. That's all he knew. So for 24 years, he was in, he was in the messy middle. You with me? Yeah. Are, you guys still, are you guys still catching me? Yeah. He, 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 he was like 24 years into it, and then he finally got the word that had a timing on it. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, it's like, I love the words that have timings on it. Like, I had a, a prophetic word about uh, Rochelle and I, and I don't have time to go through with it all. But the prophet said, within three months, I'm going to give you favor. And, and exactly what he said happened. I'm like, three months. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Like, it, it wasn't like 300 years. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously, I, okay, whatever. <laughs> well, it feels like 300 years sometimes. And it's only like three weeks, you know? And, and for some reason, for, for, for Abraham, man, God, the Lord just gave him that timing word. And then he had that. I'm sure he was counting down the days. You know, I don't know what kind of calendar he had. You know, but maybe he's just drawing like in the, the, in the sand. Down, <laughs> <laughs> he got a sundial. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how they, whatever they did. But he was probably stoked that, that, those, that year was counting down. And then they had their baby. It was amazing. And so, so he, again, let's go back to verse 18. Romans 4.18. This is what we've been looking at. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. This is the thing for us. Against all hope. Now, hope in the Bible is expectation. So this means he looked at the circumstances (laughs) and he couldn't find any reason to expect good. That's what what the Bible says. Against all hope. In other words, or one translation is contrary to hope. That means he looked at the circumstances and he couldn't even find one reason to expect good to come his way. Not even one. Now, most of us in the room can at least find one, you know what I'm saying? Like, at least at church, Andrew preached this message about the messy middle, and he told me that the season's going to end one day. You know, like, Abraham, they had church. He, he the church wasn't invented back then. He just had a word that he heard from the Lord like seven years ago. You know, like, that was rough for the bro. But I'm telling you, like, this guy, he, he gets the word, and he says, against all hope, nothing in his in, that he could see externally nothing he could see externally was helping his faith nothing nothing he didn't even have the bible he didn't have nothing nothing touch your neighbor say nothing <laughs> nothing <laughs> now how many of y'all have more than nothing someone have I, I, I y'all have a little bit more than nothing right oh i got you have a little bit more than nothing maybe maybe you have one reason but Abraham had nothing externally. And so the Bible says, you can memorize this verse, some of you already know it. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that we walk not by faith, or not by, not by sight, but by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. I'm messing the whole scripture up, but you know what I'm saying. We walk by faith and not by sight. That means whatever he could see with his eyes did not give him any faith. But, he had, wow. but, but what he had internally was, was exploding faith on the inside. What he looked at outside, horrible for his faith. <laughs> oh man this is so encouraging what he looked out on the outside did not help his faith one bit but what he had living on the inside substance of faith Woo! 
He had a word from God living inside of him, and God reminded him six times over 25 years. Praise God. And he kept like fanning into flame that, that faith that was inside of him. The flame would get smaller and smaller and smaller. Oh, God would speak. Woo! Turn the fire on! <laughs> Five years goes by. Oh, and then God speaks again. Woo! You know what I mean? Like he went through the whole denominational spectrum right there. You know? <laughs> anyway, I'm not even <laughs> the most conservative right here, and then all the way fire. <laughs> all right, whatever. You'll get that later. I want to strike that from the record. Okay. And against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. I want to encourage you tonight that number one, you're not alone in this messy middle journey. Abraham's there, right there with you. But not only that. You, it's possible to believe and have hope in the midst of a circumstance that gives you absolutely zero help to believe. That's good. Yeah. A- Abraham is 100 years old. His body don't work. Sarah's womb was dead. And I would just say it like that. <laughs> and that's what the Bible said. He, and, but what did the next verse say? Verse 19, what did it say? It says he did not count the fact. He didn't, he, uh, or actually he faced the fact. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. You know what dead people do? Nothing. When things are dead, they do nothing. When it's dead, you do nothing. Let's go walk the dog. No, he's dead. He's not going to walk. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, it's, if, it, if it's dead, it doesn't do anything. But the... Sorry for all the dog people out there. I think I'm almost done. Are you still, are you okay? I'm alive. You're alive, so you have a choice to continue on with me or not. All right. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding what? The promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith. Give glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. We're reading these verses over and over again. This is called meditation. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith. So he faced the facts, and then he said, Oh, that facts aren't giving me faith, but God's word is giving me faith. (coughs) Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so what happened? Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became. I'm telling you, you will become whatever you believe. If you believe what God says about you, you will eventually see the manifestation of whatever that thing is. If you believe that you're righteous, then your behavior will start changing to a righteous behavior. That's why I'm saying, that's why the, 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 the demons, they try to give you their thoughts so you can believe like them, so that way what? You become like them. Yeah. But isn't it awesome that God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of each one of us, and He's constantly giving us thoughts from Jesus? He said, the Holy Spirit, John 14, 26, He said, the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance everything that I've spoken to you. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's, wait, how do I know the difference between the thoughts in my mind? Are they thoughts that are giving me life? Are they thoughts that are giving me death? Yeah. Are they thoughts that are giving me hope? Are they thoughts that are perpetuating hopelessness? And I think you know which one to choose and which one to live from. Because you will, be, you will become what you believe. You will be, it's just the way it is. We always become what we believe. And so God is, it was empowering Abraham saying, 
And so he became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. How did he do it? Because he had a word from the Lord. He had a word from God. And he could hold on to that word in the midst of the messy middle. What, what Michael Hyatt would say this. That's where I'm getting that phrase, messy middle. He would say this, that whenever you're in the messy middle, you have to remember your why. Your W-H-Y. You have to remember your why. Because if you forget why you're on the journey, then you have no faith for the journey anymore. You forget why you're doing it. And it actually reminds you of why you're willing to pay the cost to press through the boulders. Because you realize, oh, my why is greater than this messy middle right now. And honestly, I'm going to break it to you like this. Because honestly, like, I got a lot of cool promises from the Lord. And I'm, and I'm beginning to step into a lot of them right now. It's awesome. Like, I love it. Like, it's so great to travel and to do ministry and all this stuff. I, I love doing this. But you know what? At the end of the day, my why isn't that like I want to, you know, it's like I, I'm not like stuck in this messy middle going like, man, I wish, you know, I, 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 I like I want to be so famous or I want to I want to see a lot of people get saved or I want to see a lot of people get healed or I want to do all this, make a lot of money and buy a big house, which, you know, that would be nice. But like, <laughs> like, that's not my why. You know what the why is at the end of the day? Is the, is the beautiful presence of Jesus. Like I have, there's only, there's very few things I'll give my life for. And I'm telling you, like, obviously I'll give my, my life for my wife. I'll give my life for my son. And obviously the next one to come, whether it's a boy or a girl, I'll do, I'm telling you, like, I don't, I can't even explain to you in words, but I will do anything. Like I will stand in front of a freight train. I will stand in front of a firing line. I will, I will take whatever it takes to protect my son and to protect my family. Like, I, I, will, I will lay down my entire life. Aside from my family, though, the glorious presence of Jesus is what I'll give my life for. Like, I'm, there's a moment recently where I was in, the, in this messy middle moment. And honestly, nothing was doing it for me. Trying to remember why I'm doing this, like, what's the point? Because that's what happens when you're in the messy middle. You start discovering what your why really is and what's really inside of you and what you're really willing to pay a price for. Like I'll do it. I'll I'll do anything for my family, but I'm telling you in those moments, like ministry, my family doesn't need me to do ministry in order. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, they do in the sense of like, okay, pay the bills and and help dad be a a sane person. But (laughs) because if I'm not doing what I'm created to do, I go crazy. But I'm saying like, aside from that, like, like, we could just go do family stuff or whatever. But, like, in the middle of ministry, I'm telling you the truth. Like, the thing that keeps me going in the midst of the messy middle, in the midst of frustration, the midst of hard times, I'm, I'm driving in my car, and, and this worship song comes on, and the, and the phrases say stuff like this, No other hope, no other, no other love, my one and my all, Jesus. And the, and the phrases are singing stuff like, No other God, n- n- you know, no one above, you're all I want, Jesus. And that beautiful, pleasurable, glorious presence of Jesus floods my car and I feel His touch again. And I go, oh, I'll give my life for this. Whatever you want me to do. Like, Jesus, like if I just get this with you, like I'll I'll do whatever. Like I'll I'll go up against a legion of witches if you want me to. Because they got a lot of demons. (laughs) I'll go up against whoever. I'll go up against whatever you want, wherever you send me, wherever you want me to go, whatever nasty things you want me to face, whatever, whatever things you want me to go through in life. If I just get this, 
This moment right here, like, oh, this is like, I can't pay for this. I can't do enough work to get this. I, I can't preach enough sermons to get this. I can't, I can't be the best student for this. I can't get the best grades for I can't. I, there's nothing I can do to get this one moment that I, I'm, I'm telling you, it was only like 30 seconds. Like it was 30 seconds in the presence of Jesus where I felt his presence come on me. And I was like, oh, if it's for this, then it's worth it to me. Yeah. Like no other relationship on the earth. Like I said, besides my, my wife and my kids, like no other relationship on the earth is worth some of the pains that I have to go through. And I'm like, some of the pains that I have to go through are nothing compared to what other people are going through on the earth, number one. And number two, what people in the scripture have gone through. Just so that we actually have a Bible. (laughs) Like, I'm thinking of people like Joseph in the the Old Testament. And I'm thinking like, you know, he went, talk about a messy middle. Like, he has an amazing dream from the Lord. Like, all y'all are going to bow down to me. And you're all going to serve me. Homeboy shouldn't have opened his mouth, but whatever. His brothers sell him into slavery. He ends up getting sold into slavery. Then he ends up getting betrayed. And then he ends up going to jail. And, and I'm like, can you imagine all that? And he's all innocent the entire time. If anyone had a reason to be bitter at life, Joseph had a reason to be bitter. To be bitter at God, to be bitter at his brothers, and to be bitter at everyone who mistreated him. Yeah. And I just look at his story and I go, dang, what a way to, what a way to handle the messy middle. Yeah. What a way to believe God. What a way to stay honoring to God. What a way to trust God in the midst of, against all hope. There was nothing. I'm telling you, look at Joseph's story. There was nothing in his circumstances that would help him to have faith. Nothing. People were mistreating him. People were abusing him. People were uh, lying about him behind his back. Anyone had those stuff happen to them before? But for some reason... Scripture, I love it because it gives us these amazing examples of people who made it through the messy middle and we're celebrating to them as champions of the faith because they didn't give up. And I'm telling my word for you tonight is if you don't quit, you win. And I just, I want you, if I could transfer my why to everybody's life here tonight, I would. Because I'm telling you, if it's just so that way I can be something cool or have a good reputation or I can get a degree one day or have a good job, that, that why is not going to last you very long. I promise you it's not. Because the riches of the world, they only satisfy for a little bit of time and then you're empty again and it's lust. It, it, it's, it's never satisfied. It always wants more. You with me on this tonight? Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow. I think the plane has landed. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just um, just stand with me? I want to pray for you guys tonight. I think we said what we needed to say. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Lord. Joel, can you just play something in the key of A for me? Like, if, you, if the key of A, just cape away it on two and just play G. Oh, we just bless you today. Let, let's just open our hands as a sign of just our hearts being open to the Lord. Lord, we, we, we open our hearts to you tonight. And Jesus, we thank you for your glorious presence. I'm just asking you, Holy Spirit, to just come right now in this place. 
Lord, I know you've been here because you said where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, you're right here. But I'm asking you to increase your presence right now. I'm asking you to release faith and to release endurance. God, I thank you for the example of Abraham. He wasn't perfect, but he trusted you. And God, we thank you for that example. God, I thank you in this place that you're raising up people who actually believe you in the midst of contrary circumstances. We thank you, God, against all hope. Abraham, in hope, believed and so became. And God, I thank you for those in this room that even, even like... People are starting new semesters this, this time. They're, they're, they're in transi- transitions. They're going through challenges. But God, I thank you that you gave us an example, not of a perfect life, but of a life that constantly trusted in you, regardless of their perfection or performance or imperfection. And so God, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would pour out your spirit and ignite our faith again. Ignite our faith once again in this place tonight. Ignite our faith once again. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsandmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.